You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, you know that that I really don't even know what I'm going to say tonight, and I thank you that you do. And I'm asking, Father, for the anointing that breaks every yoke. I I thank you, Father, that, that I'm hidden with God in Christ Jesus. And, Lord, I'm seated in the heavenlies with you. And I pray that from that place tonight, Lord, that's the place I'd minister from. And that I would clearly hear your voice saying, just say this, Rhea. Do this next. And, Father, I, we want to understand your word. I want to understand it, Lord. I want to clearly and effectively minister your word. And I'm asking you, Father to just have your will in this place tonight. I pray that that my words would not be the words of man, that they'd be the very words of God, Lord, that I would say only what the Father tells me to say, but, oh, Lord, let me hear your voice telling me. I pray that hearts would be open and receptive, Lord God, that those who have been broken by the gods of this world, Father, that tonight they would understand deliverance, they would understand the truth of who they are like they've never understood before. Tear the veil, Lord God, off their eyes and help them to see the truth of who they are in you. I want to see the truth, Lord, of who I am in you. And so come, Lord Jesus, and have your way in this place, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We, we quote that scripture all the time, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but I wonder how many of us truly understand it. Uh, there, there, there's some definitions that I want to give to you. Do you know that the word justification means just as if I've never sinned? That God, because of what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary, He looks at us and he doesn't see our sin anymore. If you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God looks down at you because he's a perfect God, is he not? And he looks down at you and he does not any longer see your sin. He sees the blood of Jesus that covers you. Do you understand that? Leslie and Brandon, could you just come up here? I just, I just want to, I feel like this is, you've heard me do this before, but, but I feel like we need to do it again tonight because I want you to get this like you've never gotten it before. But you know that when, when God created us and he created us, you've been created. You've been knit together in your mama's womb. He, he planned you the way you are. I just love it that, that you've been made in his image. But so many of us have meet, we remade ourselves to fit the image and conformed to the pattern of this world when really he wanted us to realize that we were perfect the way he made us in his image. And, and so when he created us, uh, you know, he created Adam and Eve in the garden. They were the first man and woman. And, and the Bible says that everything else he spoke into being, but Adam, he, he, he got down and he got dirty, and he formed them in the dust of the ground. And then he breathed the breath of life into him. Oh, you've got the breath of life in you. Do, do you know that the very breath of God is in your lungs? I, I just love that. But, but God created Adam and Eve, and, and he walked with them in the garden. And, oh, I just, I just can hardly wait to walk with him in the garden. To know Eden like we should know Eden. 
to, to know the beauty of fellowship with God that's unbroken. Do you just not want that? And, and that's what it was supposed to be like in the garden. He created Adam to, to fellowship with him. And, and he said, everything in this whole garden you can have. It's all yours except one thing and just one. I mean, everything is yours. Just don't touch that tree. Don't, in fact, he didn't even say don't touch. He said don't eat of. You could touch it, I'm sure, but don't eat of it. And it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And really what that stands for is the law. <laughs> don't, don't eat of it. He said, if you do, you will surely die. And who knows that God means what he says? Does anybody know that our big, our big mighty God means what he says? And, and so he, he goes, and Adam and Eve, and they're kind of like me. <laughs> they, they have a little bit of rebellion in them. And the, the second that God left, they did what? They turned and headed smack for that tree. And, and they ate of the tree that God told them not to eat of. Do, do we not do that? God says in his word every day to me, Rhea, don't do this. And I do it. I hate it. I hate that I do it. Do you hate anybody here hate that they do what he tells us not to do? I hate it, but I do it anyway. There's just something wrong. But, but I'm just telling you, maybe y'all are more, more spiritual than I am, but I hate that I do what he tells me not to do. And, and so he comes back into the garden and, you know, Adam and Eve are hiding because that's what shame does to us. When we disobey God, shame comes. Uh, I've lived in shame. I understand shame. And it makes you hide. It, it makes you hide. And, and they're hiding and God comes in and he says, where are you? And, and, and then he says, did you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And and, and they said, you, and he said, didn't I not tell you that you'd surely die? Because sin, disobedience brings death, does it not? And God means what he says. He says the wages of sin, the payoff for you and I sinning is death. And he means what he says. He means it. I'm telling you, maybe Susie sitting next to you doesn't mean what she says, but God does. And, and you know him as a God of mercy and grace right now, but the day is coming when he will no longer be the God of mercy and grace. He will be a God of judgment. And he means what he says. And you are living in a time of mercy and grace. And I suggest you take advantage of it. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, you, the time of grace and mercy, he's offering you not the wages of sin now, death, He's saying, I've got a gift for you. It's a gift. It's eternal life through Jesus Christ, and we're going to get to that. But, but so he, he says, Adam, I mean what I say. Death has to come. And, and then he saw an animal, and he took that animal as a substitute. He said, Adam, death has to come, but here's the good news. I'm going to take that animal, and I'm going to take, uh, take its life in your place. It'll be a substitute for you. And, and you know that that's where the substitutional uh, whole bit in the Old Testament came from. They'd have to bring an animal. It would take their place. Their sin deserves death. But here's an animal. Take it in my place. It's, it's my sacrifice. It's, it's my substitute. And, and you know that that all pointed us to who? Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, the once and for all. Because you know what? What would happen if we were still bringing a perfect animal, you know, every so often to a priest and saying, okay, I'm confessing my sin over this animal. Now it can take my place. It can, that would get old, would it not? 
And so God, it's constant broken fellowship. And, and he didn't want constant broken fellowship. I, I hate broken fellowship. And, and he didn't want that. And, and so he said, there, there's, there's another way. I'm going to send a once and for all sacrifice. Because you see what happens. Leslie's going to be God. And, and when God and Adam were walking together in the garden, they were buds. But then sin separated them, did it not? And that's what happens to you and I. God wants to fellowship with us, but he's perfect. Sin is not perfect. And can, can, can not perfect live with perfect? No. They can't approach each other. And, and so God, it separates us, just like it did Adam and God. And so Brandon's going to be Jesus. Come, come, Jesus. How are you, buddy? I haven't seen you. He just got home. Um, Brandon's going to be Jesus. And God says, I'm going to send my son, who's the Bible says, was in every way human like you and me, but what? Without sin. Sinless. Perfect sacrifice. And so he came to, to, to take on him on the cross of Calvary. What did he take on him? The punishment that brought you and I peace was on him on the cross. He took our sins and nailed them to the cross of Calvary. He took them upon himself. The punishment that you and I deserve because the wages of sin is what? Death, the death that you and I deserve. You, you earn wages, do you not? I, I work for Elmbrook. I earn my wages. I work 60-plus hours a week. To, trust me, I earn my wages there. And they give me a paycheck at the end of the week. You, you earned your wages, Rhea. You earn wages. Can I tell you, I've earned the wages of sin. If anybody in this room has earned wages of sin, you're looking at it. I, I deserve hell. But I don't understand a love like this. this. This I don't understand. That he would say, I love you so much, Rhea, that I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to give you the wage that you deserve. I want to, I want to give you a gift. Who loves to give gifts? I love it. I'm, I'm just living for Christmas because I love to give my kids gifts. I just, I can't even tell you how much joy I get out of that as a mom. I asked Dave, I'm already saying, can you give me a Christmas list? I'm going to make it long because I really want to spoil you. And I just love, don't you love gifts? I love gifts. I really love them, don't I, Les? I love gifts. Because, <laughs> you know, you don't deserve a gift. You don't do anything to earn a gift. And, you, you know, it just comes out of nowhere. And you're like, you love me that much that you want to give me a gift? Love it. And that's my love language. I love gifts. And, and God says, I love you so much that I'm not going to give you what you earned. You see, that's mercy. Mercy. <laughs> doesn't give us what we deserve. You deserve hell, Rhea, but I'm going to give you some mercy, and I won't give you hell. And now I'm going to give you some grace. Grace is what we don't deserve. It's giving us what we, it's not just not giving us what we deserve, it's giving us what we don't deserve. It's by grace that you've been saved, and not by works. Trust me, you, you can't work your way to heaven. I mean, how do you stand before a perfect God when you're covered with sin? Well, I gave a little money to the church. <laughs> Does that do away with your sin? Not the last time I looked. He says, no man cometh to the Father except through the Son. See, wrath had to be satisfied. The wrath of God. God does not like sin. He doesn't like to be disobeyed. You see, we look at him as this, you know, you know weak, meek little God. He doesn't like sin. Can I tell you that? It separates us from us. He hates sin. doesn't hate the sinner. He hates sin. 
and the wrath of God will come against sin. It will. If you're here without Jesus, I'm here to tell you that the wrath of God, the wrath, if you don't take the gift, the wrath will come. And so the wrath that I deserve, the wrath that you deserve, was poured out on the cross of Calvary on Jesus. Every sin Rhea committed, past, present, and future, and there were a lot of them, he, Jesus bore on the cross of Calvary. He took them upon himself. God made him who was without sin to be sin for us, for us. <laughs> Every sin of Rhea, whoom, on Jesus. Every one of them on the cross. Do you understand what he bore on that cross? That's why he said, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God couldn't look on that sin. He's a perfect God. He had to pour out wrath on that sin. Christ took what we deserve, the punishment that brought you and I peace was upon him on the cross. And that cross now bridged the gap between us, Leslie's God, and God. I now have access to God through Christ, through the gift that he gave us. The wages of sin, thanks guys, the wages of sin is death. But the gift, oh, it's a gift of God. You can't earn a gift. You can't strive for a gift. You can't put enough effort out to get a gift. You, but what do you have to do? Somebody. You got to receive a gift. You got to take it. You got to make it yours. The gift of God is eternal life. That, that word righteousness means right standing. You see, we confuse righteousness with holiness. So I want to be holy, but here's the, new, the good news. I'm already righteous. I'm in right standing with God. When, when Christ died on the cross, I came into right standing with God now. When I took that gift, now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God no longer looks at Rhea and sees her sin. She looks at, he looks at Rhea and sees me through Jesus, the blood of Jesus. If I had a pink balloon up here and I was looking through the pink balloon, I would see pink on you. When, Christ, when God looks at us from heaven, he looks at us through, through the blood of Jesus. And his wrath has been satisfied. He doesn't have to pour it out on us anymore. I now, I don't deserve it. I now stand righteous, at right standing. He paid the price on the cross of Calvary for me. Paid in full were his last words. I don't have to pay it anymore. You don't have to pay it anymore. I don't care if you sinned 15 minutes ago. Can I tell you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's done. It's finished. <laughs> you can't change it. It's irreversible. If you've taken the gift, hello, it's irreversible. It's finished. You can't blow it. You can't, you can't mess it. i got to just take the gift. I can't really change it. I can't, you know, make it be what I want it to be. I take a gift and receive it. You say, well, Rhea, what happens when I mess up and I fall? Here's what happens. When, when you didn't have Christ, when you didn't have this gift, I, I wonder, can anybody remember when they, when they didn't have Christ? I can. Can I? Let's just use me. <laughs> Because I remember clearly. <laughs> you see, when you've fallen a long way, you remember the pig pen. You, you don't ever want to go back there. But, but I remember the pig pen. And I remember even though I was slopping in pig poop, that there were some things that I did. I was still pretty nice. I, I would have given you the shirt off my back. Anybody still did some nice things when they were without Christ? So did those nice things make you righteous? No, you were still a what? Sinner. You were still going where? Hell. Even though
though you did some nice things? Yeah. And so now you are, if you have Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you do some bad things. Does that change who you are now? See, some of you believe it does. Some of you believe it does. Scripture says a righteous man falls, falls seven times, but he gets up every single time. You, you know, if you had to be perfect to label yourself a Christian, I would be sunk. You see, if righteousness could be attained by human effort, Christ would not have had to die. He would not have had to die. You see, there's some of you still here that you're striving, you're working for what has already been accomplished. You think you have to be good enough. You, you think you have to work your way into heaven. I promise you, your righteousness is imputed to you. It was charged to your account. It would say, oh, here she is. I'll just pay her debt. She now is free. She's free. It was imputed to me. I, I, I just accept it. I accept the gift. I receive the gift that so many of us are still trying to attain it. It's already done. It's already done. We're not becoming righteousness. We don't become righteous. We, we are made righteous, the scripture says. We are made righteous through the blood of Jesus. You're already made. <laughs> You're not becoming. You can't blow it. You have made it. See, that's hard. For, religion is keeping some of you from getting this. Some of you are already, already getting a little defense in your mind saying, well, I'm going to argue this fact. No, you argue with the word of God. Open your Bibles to Romans, to Romans chapter 6. I'm going to use my, does anybody have an NIV with some big honking print? I have a New King James, and I like it a little better. Do you, is it big, Kristen? Because you're still pretty young, honey. That's pretty little. But I'll try it. I got some heavy glasses on. Is it NIV, Kristen? Romans chapter 6. No, chapter 5. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man. Who was the man that sin entered the world through? I just showed you. Adam. Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, remember, disobedience brings death, the wages of sin is death. And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. Who knows that every one of us has sinned and falls short of the glory of God? If God kept a record of wrongs, who in this room could stand? Go ahead. I just won't see it. We all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God, every one of us. So the ground is evil, is, is level. We were born in iniquity, the Bible says. We were born sinners because of Adam. Thank you, Adam. But, but, you know, we get really ticked off at Adam and Eve. But the reality is, if any one of us would have been in that place, we probably would have made the same decision. Because we are bent, the word says, on backsliding. We, 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 we are, my heart will always, it's prone to wander. It's, our hearts are prone to wonder. Therefore, as just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way death came to all men because all sin. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, 
death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. What they're saying there, what he's saying there is, who knows that Moses is the one that gave the law. He gave the Ten Commandments. And without the law, there's no understanding of sin. That's why the law was given. We no longer live under the law. We live under what? Grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. We don't get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve. Oh, we get heaven. We're living no longer under the law. The law points us to our need for Jesus. When I understand that there is nothing good in Rhea Briscoe, that my righteousness is of filthy rags, that given my any chance, I will head back to the pig pen, I understand that, that I can't keep the law. Anybody here think they can? Uh, good luck with that. Uh, you know, at any point, if you disobey the law, that means gossip. <laughs> it means tell a little white lie. It means take a pen from... Waukesha State Bank, it means anything like that. Smallest little thing that you just want to shrug off and say, I'm really not as bad as Rhea. Good, but you're still a sinner. But the law points us to our need for Jesus. We see, I can't keep the law. I'm a sinner. Wages of sin is death. I deserve hell. I'm going to take that gift because I don't want hell. Do, do you see? All right, so, nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift, somebody say gift, <laughs> but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace, look at those grace, 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 the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. That means if you and I were born into sin because of what Adam did in the garden, God says, you know what, I'm going to one-up you. <laughs> Adam, because of you, they were all born in sin. Now because of me, they can all be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that so much better? And if we can accept the sin in the garden and, and we're born out of, we did nothing really, we were born in sin. You say, Rhea, how is that fair? Here's the fair question you need to be asking. How is it fair that we continue to sin, that the wages of sin is death, is hell, and we get a gift? That, that because of one man, his name is Jesus, <laughs> that righteousness should be credited to our account. How is that fair? I just love that. And, and so he says, For if by the trespass of, that one man, of one man death reigned through one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, abundant provision of grace, because I need the abundance. Maybe you don't, but he said, there's Rhea. We've got to put abundant in there because she's going to need all she can get. The abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, you see, we're condemned. If we don't take that gift, we are condemned. Do, do you understand that? Condemned. You see, some of you, you have the gift. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're still living condemned. Oh, here's another scripture for you. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You say, well, Rhea, I've fallen. I've, I've messed up. Get up. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up every time. If you're having trouble getting up, here's my hand. I'll, I'll help you tonight. Let me, let me pray you back up to your feet, but get up! 
You see, we, we let the enemy lure us out of that secret place, slam us down, and then we lay there and wallow. Uh, oh, I wish I could find it. Somebody find me the scripture. I think it's in Ezekiel. Don't quote me. But he said, when I found you, you were wallowing in your blood. Somebody know where that scripture is at? Can you find that? Because I want to read that. It's coming through my head. But uh, I don't know where it's at. I think it's Ezekiel. Now, where was I? He throws us to the ground, and he lets us wallow in it. And we stay down for the count. <laughs> David and I saw this movie. Have you seen it? Here comes the boom. He made me go back twice. I, I don't like to see a movie more than once, but Dave loved it so much he made me go back again. And it's about this high school teacher who was once a teacher of the year, and then he kind of got, you know, lethargic and, you know, bored in his job, and nobody else cared, so why should he? And so he really just showed up for work every day, and he didn't do a good job at that, and kind of read his paper and, you know, was just a sorry excuse for a teacher. And then one day, the principal said, we're going to cut the, the funding for the music program, and his buddy, who just found out his wife was having a baby, is going to lose his job. And he says, I'll get you the money. I'll find the money. Well, he needs a quick way to make a lot of money, and he hears from a friend that, that he could do mixed martial arts fighting. Violent stuff, I'm telling you. And, and, and if he... If he one, there was substantial amount of money, big money. And he said, well, what happens if I lose? How much do I get for losing? And he had been a collegiate wrestler, and so he was a pretty good fighter. But he wanted to know not what he'd get for winning, but if I take a fall, <laughs> what do I get for that? Because I, I have no expectation of winning. It's not even on my radar. Victory is nowhere in my mind. What happens when I take a fall? How much do I get? I'll be satisfied to just take the fall and get the money. You see, some of you are living there. I'm satisfied just to know I'm getting heaven. I will take the fall over and over and over again and be down for the count with the enemy because victory really is not possible in my mind. What you're saying, Rhea, you don't know my addiction. Victory is really not possible but thank the Lord I can still go to heaven. I'm just really messing with this. The enemy is throwing me down for the count, and, and Rhea, I don't know how to get up. Get up! You're satisfied to stay down for the count, and there's victory. You see how the story ends. It's such a good movie. How the story ends is he ends up taking, at one point he throws a punch, and the guy goes down, and he's like, huh, I can win. And then he starts winning, and the bucks get bigger and bigger and bigger, and he realizes he's unstoppable. Because he got a taste of victory. Oh, precious ones, I hope tonight before you leave here, you get a taste of victory. You don't have to be satisfied to live in defeat. You don't have to be satisfied living from one temper tantrum to another, one, one bitter episode to another. You don't have to be satisfied drinking up Friday night and not feeling like you can stop it. You don't have to be satisfied living in fear and condemnation. You don't have to be satisfied feeling like you still need to pay for what Jesus already paid for on the cross of Calvary. You see, some of you are still paying for the sin that was satisfied on the cross of Calvary. You're still pay, making yourself pay. You, you see, I had an abortion when, when I was uh, 17. I could talk about every other 
uh, overcoming thing God did in my life. But that one, I couldn't talk about. I couldn't even let it slip off my lips because I had such shame and such disgrace over it. I would see a baby and I would just sob over, over what I had done. I, I, and I, I lived in such condemnation and, and just pain over that choice. I could believe that God had forgiven me for everything else, but this one was a biggie and I deserved to be nailed for it. And, and I didn't even think I would be able to have a baby. And if I did, God would probably take it because I deserved it. And I just punished myself day in and day out and day in and day out over that choice. And one day God said to me, Rhea, I paid for it on the cross of Calvary. Do you know what you're saying to me every time you continue to make yourself pay? You say to me that what I did on the cross of Calvary wasn't enough. It cost me my life, Rhea. But you're not content. You still want to punish yourself. You're still making yourself pay for what I said was paid in full. His last words, paid in full. Tetelestai. Your sin, oh, precious ones, your sin was paid in full, finished. Your sin debt was satisfied. The wrath was poured out on Jesus. Oh, do you understand the love of God? Do you understand a love a love that would say, I want her to be with me so much. I want him to be with me so much in heaven. I love him so much that, that I'm mad. I, I, my wrath really should, should get him, but I don't want to be mad. I, I want to forgive him. I want to be in right. I want him to be in right relationship with him. Do you understand love like that? I, it's an unfailing love. You see, some of you have had a lot of loves in your life, but they've failed you. My Jesus, his love will never fail you. Never, never, ever, ever. It won't let you down. It won't forsake you. It won't relax its hold on you. He wants to lavish it on you. If you don't know the lavishness of God's love, ask him to show you. I mean, sometimes he takes my breath away. I'm like, he loves me. He, he loves me. I, I really got this. That he loves me. I don't deserve to be loved. I'm really not all that lovable, to be honest with you. And he loves me. There is nothing that you can do. Get this deep down in your knower. I want you to really get this. There is nothing, the Bible says. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nil, nothing, zip, zilch, that you and I can do to ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing except not receive that gift but he'll keep on loving you even when you don't want to receive it. He'll still in love offer it over and over and over and over. Some of you are saying, I've heard this story so many times. I'm not interested in that gift. Oh, he loves you. And he's making me say it again just for you because he loves you. Lavish, lavish, lavish. He loves you. You see, I believe if we really got a revelation, I pray all the time, Lord, give me a revelation of your love. I, I don't just want to know it here. I want to know it here because when we really get that, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us. It doesn't matter what the world throws at us. You see, we understand that we are loved with an everlasting, eternal love that nothing in this world can separate us from. Bring it on. Bring it on. Do you understand that? He loves you. He loves you. And he doesn't want you consumed, consumed with shame and guilt. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You were born a sinner, but that's why you need born again. Huh. We were reading tonight, uh, 
where's Masha? Oh, she said, we're a new creation. She prayed that in, in our prayer time. And I had just looked up that word. And it, that word means it, it's, 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 it's a new species that never existed before. Do you understand that you've been born again and you are now a new creation? The old is gone and the new has come. And you've become something that never existed before. You're not just fixed a little bit. You're made new. I tell you, I needed to be made new. I, I <laughs> I need it to be made new. All over, start over from scratch, new, Rhea, you're new. And that new man is in our spirit, but our minds have not been made new. That's why we have to renew them. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why we have to get in the word, because my, my spirit's been made new, but my mind is still messed up, and I need to have the mind of Christ. I've been given the mind of Christ, and I need to keep it renewed in the truth of his word. My flesh, my, my body's not been made new. Can I tell you, every morning I get out of bed, I'm well aware that my body has not been made new. I, my knees are hurting, and I, I'm like, I don't feel that old, but I'm feeling it in this body. It's decaying. And hmm. You've been made new. That old man doesn't live anymore. Your flesh was making him seem like he does. You see, when, when you go get drunk and shoot up or, or gorge yourself with whatever, when you gamble, when you look at pornography, when you cave into fear, your flesh is making you think you're not made new. It's making you think you don't have a choice, but you need to talk back to that flesh and say, excuse me, do you know that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? I am better than this. I'm better than this. Tonight I prayed for Kate and Kendall. They, they actually came to pray for me. And I'm telling you, they just steal my heart. They, they pray and it rocks my world. And, and so tonight I, I prayed over them after they finished. And one of the things that I prayed is, is that they would, they would hear God say to them clearly, you're better than that. Don't make that choice. Don't compromise here. You're better than that. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. We don't do that. You're so much better than that. And I pray that the next time the enemy tries to lure you out of the secret place and lure me out of the secret place, that we hear God clearly say and remind us who we are. You're better than that. You're better than shooting up and numbing yourself with a drug. You're better than drinking yourself into oblivion. You're, you're better than, than being in despair and, and hopelessness. You're better than that. You see, we have all this stuff available to us. You say, Rhea, why are you pounding and pounding and pounding this righteousness stuff? Because until we understand who we are, until we understand that, that we don't have to be defeated, we're living in defeat, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. That word right hand, it means morality. It means somebody's falling into immorality right beside you. But you don't have to fall. A thousand may fall because of the schemes of the enemy all around you, but, but you don't have to fall because you've made the most high your dwelling place. You understand who you are. I'm not taking that bait. I'm not going down for the count. I'm not living in defeat. I'm not satisfied to go down for the count. I want the victory. I want the boom, boom. Here comes a boom, boom. I'm telling here comes a boom. So you got to say, here comes a boom. Watch out. I'm in it to win. I'm in it to win. You see, I lived in, in defeat for so I've known Christ most of my life. Do you know how embarrassing that is for me to say to you that you know my past <laughs> and that I have known Christ for most of my life and yet I lived in defeat 
for so much of it. Learn from me. Learn from me. I don't preach the way I preach because I, I listened to myself on CD. Somebody made me listen to those Jericho CDs to see if we wanted to put them out. And, oh, I just wanted to cringe. I was like, I scream all the time. I need to keep it down. And, and what am I doing? I'm talking so fast. And I wanted to burn those CDs is what I wanted to do. And, and, and I'm like, Lord, why... How do people get anything out of this? I can't even stand to listen to myself on that CD. But you see, why I'm so passionate, I promise you, it's a real thing. I promise you it's because I've spent my life living in defeat. And now I've tasted victory. And the payoff, the payoff, boom, boom, is so much better. It's so much better. And I want you to get it. You see, all along, I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That wasn't something that just came. It, it, you know, I was listening to um, uh, Creflo Dollar talk about this one time, and he said, did you ever, and I had to laugh out loud because I've done it, is he said he was on the cell phone the other day, and he was talking on the cell phone, and he was trying to find the cell phone in his house. And he was saying to the person on the phone, I just can't find my cell phone anywhere. <laughs> He said it was in my hand, and, and I laughed when I read that, or I heard that because I thought about you and I. I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus 20 years ago when I was still blowing it all the time, when I was still living in the pit of destruction, crawling home saying, I can't believe you take me back, Lord. I was still the righteous. It was still in my hand, but I was still looking for it. You have it. It's yours. Just walk in it now. Uh, walk in it now. Uh, Dave and I, I, I love to cruise. It's the only thing that I can do to get away. If I go on vacation someplace here in the United States, everybody knows how to get me. And so the cruise is really the only place that I can't be reached. I can't, they can't get me on my cell phone. They can't get me on my computer. So I, it's, it's my favorite thing to do because it's really the only place I can rest. And um, but I love it because you pay this. You always, Leslie, Miss Travel Agent of the, of the Year, gets us this cheap, cheap price, and everything's included. All the food is included. All the everything is included. And you don't have to even take your wallet because it's all paid. But I love this. It's, it happens every time we're on board. Somebody will be on most of the week, and at the end of the week, they go to this little cafe promenade, and they'll say, how much are those cookies? Because they have this case of just pastries and cookies and sandwiches. And how much are those cookies? And they'll say, Oh, they're free. They're, they're figured in with the price of your cruise. And, and I love it because they've wasted their whole week not eating because they thought they'd have to pay extra for it. <laughs> and it was theirs all along, free of charge. See, some of you are thinking you have to pay extra. And it's yours free of charge. It's included. <laughs> it's included in the, the, the price of heaven. It's already been paid for you. It's already been paid. Dave, my husband, is, uh, yeah, you probably heard it when he was, uh, he still has a little bit of it still in his uh, voice. You probably heard his accent. He's from England. And I asked him today when he became a citizen of the United States, and uh, I couldn't remember, and he became a citizen in 1995. And all along he had been a citizen of England living in the United States. But when he became a citizen of the United States, he came under our Bill of Rights. He, everything 
that, that belonged to a, to a, a natural-born citizen, Dave now could have because he was, you know, he became a citizen of this country. So the laws of England no longer applied to Dave. Now the laws of the United States, the Bill of Rights of the United States, apply to Dave. Lord, help me with this. Do you understand that you are a citizen of heaven? <laughs> you no longer belong to the enemy. If you know Jesus, you're a citizen of heaven. And the law, you are no longer under the laws of that world. You are under grace. A new law, the law of that country, a law of that, that place, the citizen of heaven. There's a different set of laws there, and it's called grace and mercy. And you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when the, the enemy wants to bring his law and say, you blew it, you need to say, can I just remind you, I'm no longer a citizen of your country. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Here comes a boom. Here comes a boom. It's a gift. Gift by grace. So that no man can boast. I, wa I want you to just see one last thing. You finish reading chapter 5 of Romans, but then flip over to Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can may increase? See, that's where some of you are already. But Rhea... You've just given people permission to sin. Are you kidding me? You see, that's a religious answer. See, when you have a past like I have, Scripture says that she who's been forgiven much loves much. <laughs> I love the, the letter, I think it's to the Ephesians in Revelation, and and Jesus said, this thing I hold against you. Do you. I just can hardly stand to even read that. I hold this against you. <laughs> Lord, what do you hold against me? Nothing. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But he said, you have forgotten your first love. You, you've grown lukewarm. You aren't even alive anymore. You, you forget. Do you remember your first love? Oh, Davy, I'm sorry. He was not my first love, but heart pounding, don't, you know, catch me without my makeup on, and, you know, your hair's washing, you're like, oh, my goodness, voice. <laughs> and you want to just, you know, do you remember your first love? Is that what it's like for you now with the Lord? Have you forgotten your first love? And he says, here's the remedy. Remember the height from which you've fallen. <laughs> Can I promise you, that I remember the height from which I've fallen. And so the fact that he's told me that I am the righteousness of in Christ Jesus doesn't make me want to go fall some more. I remember the height from which I've fallen. And she who's been forgiven much. When you understand you deserve hell and you've been given heaven, it's not a right to sin. But here's what he says. Look over at verse... Um, uh, here, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Don't let sin reign. Don't let it reign in you. Do, uh, don't let it reign. Uh, I, I've been looking at the, um, I, I taught a couple of weeks ago on the armor of God. Do you remember that teaching? 
You know how the armor of God lists, we, we talk about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the, you know, all that. But, but what is the first armor? Does anybody know what the first one listed is? The belt of truth. Make sure your loins are girded. Your loins. Okay, can I just get a little personal here? Loins. Anybody know what loins are? It's where your passions are, are they not? Come on. Passion. Make sure your passions are girded with truth. Are girded. Girded up. Make sure your passions aren't running wild. Okay? That's the first piece of armor. And what he's saying is, you can't put on the helmet of salvation, of deliverance. See, uh, you can come up here. I, I'm telling you, Leslie, we have seen some deliverance, have we not? Uh, some scary stuff deliverance. We have seen it. We have seen what God can do. Can I tell you, God can deliver. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, I've seen it. We've seen it. God can deliver. Oh, I mean, good stuff. Like, you just, we stand back here like, are you kidding me? That was pretty awesome. Let's do it again. I just love it. I mean, it's just, it's just he is able. He is able. And, and, and somebody can come up here and pray for deliverance. The enemy could have a stronghold in their life, and we could pray up a storm, and I believe God can deliver them. But, but if you're not, if you get delivered from something, and you haven't girded up your loins with truth, you haven't kept your passions under wrap, <laughs> The strong man's coming back, and he's going to get you even better the next time because you've given him an in. You've given him an in. And so you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but we have some responsibility to now say, okay, now, did somebody find my Ezekiel scripture? Praise the Lord. Um, we have some responsibility. Thank you, Angela. 60, Ezekiel 16, 6, and when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. I made you. <laughs> he made him. Thrive like a plant in the field. And you grew and matured and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed and your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed your time was a time of love, so I spread my wing over you. We talked about my wing. I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Nakedness is always symbolic of shame in the word of God. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord. You became mine. Dave and I were talking today. I promise I'm finishing. We were talking today about the difference between righteousness and holiness. And, and I said, Dave, we've got him confused. And he looked up the word, the definition for righteousness and the definition for holiness. And, and the only really big difference was righteousness was based on covenant. Now, who knows covenant with God is a one-way thing. It's him. You didn't come to him. He drew you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. He made a covenant with you, an oath, and he made you his. Oh, he made you his. Somebody say, I'm his. I am his. and I'm his. So why would you want to head back to the pig pen? I'm going to tell you, that man sitting back there is the heartthrob of my life. I, I can't even tell you how much I love him. Some other man could come up and say whatever they wanted to me. They could talk some, some smack. They could 
say every flattering thing in the whole wide world to me. They could buy me diamonds and roses and gifts and they could lavish me, but I'm telling you what, nothing would pull me from that man. Nothing. Because he loves me. He loves me and I know it. And, and he goes to great depths to show me he loves me. And, and I love him. I love him like the next breath. I can't, I, I just, I can't even tell you how much I love that man. And you see, when, when you love somebody like that, it doesn't matter what comes at you. You don't want to taint it for anything in this whole wide world. And you see, I love the Lord. I love him. I love him more than I love Dave. And I'll tell you, nothing but nothing makes me want to ruin that. No, nothing can separate me from it. But I can tell you, I feel some separation sometimes. When, when I do things that are not pleasing, yes, I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But I feel... God didn't leave, but I've put some separation between us because it makes me hide again. And I'm right back to that garden with Adam. Where are you? Where are you? A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. But they will not come near you. I want to show you one more thing. Turn over to 2 Kings 25. This is it. But I, I have to let you see this to, to help you to truly understand the scripture. That word fall is used in 2 Kings 25, 11. And I want to just read you that, that verse. Then Nebuzardan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive the rest of the people who remained in the city and the defectors who had deserted to the king of Babylon with the rest of the multitude. The defectors who had deserted. That word deserted is the same word as fall. Now are you staying with me here? A thousand may fall at your side. A righteous man will fall seven times, but he gets up every time. It was so interesting to me that it means the same word as deserted. <laughs> Did you ever have a friend desert you? You know, you thought you could trust them, thought I could trust her, and they just deserted you. They left you in the smoke. You didn't stop loving them or caring for them. They just deserted you. I wonder. It's just, I mean, don't, I didn't read this in a commentary. I didn't, I'm taking some liberties here, but it strikes me that that same word in, in the, the Hebrew means deserted. You see, when I'm in the secret place of the Most High, a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it's not coming near me. But when I choose to walk outside that secret place and outside his presence and outside the umbrella of his protection and get tugged and lured into the lusts of this world, I wonder if that word deserted has any any meaning, any correlation to that word fall. Just a thought. I don't know about you, but this Psalm 91 is making me more and more convinced of the importance of staying close. Staying close. My big brother, I had a big brother, Rick. He's tough, and I, I came a lot of years after all the rest of my brothers and sister, and um, my brother Rick was like, he just was... I was in his shadow all the time. He was my hero. And he was, he was tough. And anybody mess with me, 
they'd have to go through Rick. I mean, it was just, you didn't mess with Rick. And so I just stayed in his shadow everywhere he went. I mean, I was, when I went to high school, I was in his shadow because he was a lot older. And and I was, just felt safe because I was in Rick's shadow. (laughs) I want to stay in the shadow of the Most High. Mess with me, you messed with him. There's protection there. There's safety there. What does that look like? That, that looks like just spending time with him, talking to him throughout your day, spending time in his word, spending time in his presence. You say, well, Rhea, you preach this word stuff all the time. I got to spend time with God. Do you have a good friend? My Dave. If I didn't spend time with Dave, we wouldn't have intimacy. I wouldn't know him. I, I can know what he's going to do before he even does it. That's how well I know him. And you don't know somebody unless you spend time with them. And so I know I preach it to you all the time, but you're never going to know him if all you do is sit in church on Sunday morning and listen about him. You can know about him. I know about Barack Obama, but I don't know Barack Obama. There's a big difference. You can know about God and never really know him. We've got to spend time with him. Spend time in his presence underneath the shelter of his wing. There's healing there. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. Maybe you're one of the fallen. A righteous man falls seven times. He gets up every time. It's time to get up. See, some of you have been living in your pity party of, I did this and I messed up here and what will God think? And does God, yes, God still loves you. Yes. Yes. Yep. You didn't blow it. He wants you back. <laughs> Get up. He found you lying in your blood. And he made you his. You're his. He saw you in your mess, it says. One translation. I mean, he saw you in your mess. And he made you his. He knows your mess. He's not afraid of your mess. You don't have to get cleaned up first. He will clean you up. Get up and head back to the shelter of the Most High. Father, I thank you. I thank you for every person here, Lord God. I thank you for their attentiveness. I thank you that they keep coming back to hear this psalm over and over. And I pray that you'd root them and establish them in your word like you never have before, Lord, that this truth would get down deep into the core of their being, Lord God, and that they would truly know that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that nothing they could ever do or have ever done will separate them from your love, that your love for them is magnificent. It is, what if, what if we really believed that he thinks you're magnificent. How would that change the way you behaved? What if you really believed that he thought you were magnificent? What if you really believed that he was well pleased with you? What happened then? What would happen? How would that change things? What if you believed that he had nothing but good towards you? How would that change your life? What if, come on, play the what if game with me. Just this week when you go out, how was your word test, by the way? This week when you go out, play the what if game with me. Listen to that rain, Lord, rain down. What if every inclination he had towards you 
was good. Because it is. All those what ifs are true. Let's behave that way this week. Let's really start to believe those what ifs. How would it change your perspective of God? If you really believe that you were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you can't blow it. It's yours. It's done, finished, irreversible. You pick your shoulders up and put them back a little bit firmer and be more aware of the stumbling in front of you. And if you tripped, you'd get back up. My sweet children, seven of them, I watched a lot of them learn to walk. And, you know, when you have seven, you get it, you hope to get a little better as they go down. And wish I could do number one over again, but... When, when our children were learning to walk and they fell, I didn't spank them. Anybody here spank their children when they fell? It was ridiculous. Who would do that? When they, when they were learning to walk and they tripped and fell, I didn't scold them and say, I can't believe you can't learn this. What is wrong with you? I didn't do that. I scooped them up. I helped them get back up. I brushed their boo-boos away. I held their hand a little bit longer till they started to walk. Falling is a part of walking. It's a part of learning to walk. I, I don't know about you, but I'm learning to walk. I'm learning. I, I want to walk in the straight and narrow, and I'm learning to walk. And I still fall. And he is not disappointed. He expects you to fall. He's there to pick you up. Get up, righteous man. Get up, righteous woman. Start walking in who you are. Boom, boom, pal. Start walking in who you are in the victory that was attained for you. We love you, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about RIA or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.